Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. My name is Seth Everett. You knew that because you subscribed, and we appreciate everyone who is still subscribing and listening to this podcast, even though many people are now starting to drive. The gyms aren't open, so there's no podcast listening there, but we appreciate everybody who has been listening. The numbers have been still great. Today's episode is all about a new film, And We Go Green. It's a documentary about a sport that I have covered for the last three years, Formula E. Formula E is electric car racing, and it originates out in Europe. And their season has been curtailed by COVID-19. There's no secret about that. They actually just launched a plan to restart their season with six races in Berlin, right by the Berlin airport in in an airfield that's nothing near the, the hub of downtown. There are no people. It'll be completely isolated. And it's actually a pretty interesting plan. They're going to do six races in nine days to complete season six. We are joined today by the Academy Award-winning film director, Fisher Stevens. Same Fisher Stevens who is an actor who has been in Short Circuit. He's been, he was on Friends. He was in one of my all-time favorite television shows, Early Edition, and he was on last week's episode of the Hall of Justice. He and his co-director, Malcolm Venville, put together this documentary, And We Go Green, which follows season four of Formula E. And I'll be honest, that was the season that I joined. I was in Paris for that race. I was in New York for that race. I wrote some articles for Forbes about it, and I fell in love with this sport. This sport is really up and coming. It's a startup, and they got a big hit from COVID-19, but they are looking up, and Season 7 hopefully will be like a normal one. They announced their schedule, and they're hopeful, like everybody else, that sports can get back to normal. Formula E is very interesting, and the key participant in the documentary is the president of the league, the creator of the league, it is Alejandro Agag, and I had a chance to meet him in Paris. He was on this podcast before. He was in an interview that I did, episode 138, where I was in Paris, France, and I interviewed Sir Richard Branson. Now, in that episode, Richard Branson was the first guest, and he was the headliner. Alejandro Agag was right after that, and it was a really, really cool interview. So let's go back to 2018 in Paris, France, This is my conversation with Alejandro Agag, and that guy is beyond fascinating. There's been such a legendary story about the conception of Formula E, but from the start, the time when it was just an idea to what you see now, how proud are you of the growth? I'm I'm incredibly proud, you know, because also because we had really tough times in the way, so that makes it even better, you know, that we made it this far. So I'm really proud, and also I'm proud that we may be maybe doing something good for, you know, for humankind, really, you know, like promoting this change to cleaner mobility and so on, I think is something that could become very, very big. So I think I'm really proud. You know, you've been involved in a lot of sports aspects. Was the sport of this that attracted you, or the idea that so many businesses could get behind and this could really be a wave of the future? What was it that drew you? It was a mix of everything, to be honest. It was a mix because... The sport, oh, I always loved. The race, I love. But uh, I think the idea is what really is very strong. The idea behind it, the idea of promote clean mobility, this gets the support from everyone. And that, I think that really attracted me to, to get a lot of people behind a, a good, a, something good for society. What does a fan who's watched an auto race before need to know about the differences that Formula E presents 
if they're tuning in to the first one, if they hear this podcast, they're going to go to the event in New York. What would you say they will they should expect? I mean, I think they should expect something different. Really to come to without any kind of like uh, prejudice, a previous concept or previous ideas. They should come with an open mind and they will see a great race, great competition, but it's different. And they will also see a new technology in play. So, and they should also learn about the battery management as a key element of the race, as opposed to pure performance. They should learn that this race is different. I wanted to ask you about some of the some of the aspects of it. The idea that the the casual fan doesn't see the amount of effort it gets to get these cars ready. It's such a different concept than anything than Formula One or anything you, you could even imagine. And I would imagine that the, the the ability to get a car ready is just as much the challenge as driving it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. The setup is really important, getting the car ready. Fans also don't see the effort of putting the track in place in the heart of the city. That's also a huge amount of work, a huge challenge. So, yeah, there is a lot of work behind these races, but, you know, it's worth it. The idea of putting it in a city like Paris, what's the significance of this city, not just for yourself, but the idea that you know, so much of auto racing's growth is in this city, and yet here this represents the next wave? I mean, this is iconic for us. You know, we're in a building where the Automobile Club of France have been for 120 years, but they're looking into the future, they're embracing the future, they're supporting Formula E, which is kind of a revolution in motor racing. So it's a great symbol that somewhere with as much tradition as Paris in motorsport is fully behind Formula E. And finally, it, it, it appears that we're going to have uh, Jean Todd on this podcast. So all I have to ask is, you got dirt on the guy? I mean, you, you, you got to give me something that I, that I can use going in. I mean, he's the president. He just believes in it. He believes in the concept. He believes in the idea. He's been behind. He's his idea, actually. I'm just kind of, you know, the person in charge of making it a reality. But uh, he's the one who came up with it. So he's fully behind it. Good luck with the race, uh, not only here in Paris, but with the growth of Formula E. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. So there you have it. That's the character, Alejandro Agag, one of the founders of Formula E. And now we are going to welcome in the directors of the, this fantastic documentary, And We Go Green. Uh, Jack Nichols needs a nickel every time you guys say that. Uh, <laughs> Fisher Stevens and Malcolm Venville, the uh, directors of, of this film, are with us here on Sports with Friends. And gentlemen, congratulations on a great film. And I just love the way you portray these characters. These guys are all, they all have personalities and nobody knows that. And you guys found a way to show that to everyone. Thank you. It was, you. Uh, it was a wonderful and difficult experience uh, filming these guys. And as you know, you know, working in the sports world, a lot of these athletes have very canned answers that they've been used to saying. So it, it took, you know, we, we wanted them immediately to understand this is not like a CNN interview with Nikki Shields. This is going to be a more in-depth study of a few of you. And uh, we, we really tried to get to the essence and the core of, of each of these drivers and Alejandro, by the way, as well. Yes, Alejandro Gog, who you guys, I, I, I never saw his wedding, and you guys you found the footage of his wedding, yeah. which I thought, that was wild. Uh, there, there, was, there was one real asshole at that wedding, I just want to say, that still pisses me off that Alejandro oh, yeah. is friends with Rupert Murdoch, but what are you going to do? Yes, I did I did know that. He, he's friends with literally everybody. Yeah. And 
And he, yes, you're right. Rupert Murdoch is a, is a buddy of his. So I got introduced to Formula E because of Richard Branson. Mm. And Richard Branson offered to go to Paris. And he, I was going to get a chance to have him on the, the podcast. And the funny story about that, and I kind of wanted to start the conversation there, is he didn't make it. And we had to do a phone interview. And the reason he didn't make it was he couldn't get a flight to Paris from wherever he was. And I didn't understand that because he owns an airline. Well, How do you he, own? What was his excuse? He said that he couldn't catch a flight. What flight could Richard Branson not catch? I never, I never understood that. But what I fell in love with, with the sport, and I wanted to know, like, what was your attraction? So the story goes, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meets Aga uh, Alejandro Agag, and he says, this is a great idea for a story. How do you two get involved? Well, Leo and I had just finished doing Before the Flood. So he's, you know, we worked together on a much, you know, more intimate level than, than this. But he said, like, let's take, let's keep going on our environmental journey in a different direction. Let's do it through sport. So he invited me to the track. And, um, you know, I, I, I was very skeptical. And kind of the last thing I wanted to do was another environmental movie. And especially about racing. I don't give a shit about race racing. It's, uh, automobile racing right um and uh, but after meeting alejandro and alejandro offered me to go to valencia where they were going to test all the cars to kind of really meet the drivers because there was no real time to meet them in brooklyn because they were about to race right um i called malcolm who's my great friend who lived in london and knew formula one new racing filmed cars like the most beautiful car commercials on the planet and I said, man, why don't you come with me to Valencia and see if there's a movie here? And if you're into it, we could do this together. Oh, that's and, cool. And, and that was it. When we met the drivers, we hung out with Alejandro. We both kind of thought there's something here. We didn't quite know what, but we knew we had a framework of filming the fourth season. And we knew that Alejandro was trying to make the fourth season the last season where he uses two cars per race right. per driver. Double cars, right. Trying to make the battery bigger, trying to, you know, so... We knew we could figure out, film those two storylines and that we had a bit of a structure. We just had to find out who our stars were. Other than Malcolm, that. Malcolm, you had seen racing before. Before Fisher calls you about this, what was your knowledge of Formula E? Was it considered a major sport? Was it a minor sport? What was your perception of the way it was going before you had any of the access that you eventually got? It wasn't taken very seriously, you know, by the press. It was considered to be, you know, uh, a nuisance really uh but you could see you could see that it was something was happening there something really interesting was happening people tended to think it was a joke you know and um you know we but fish you know what I, I knew there was something there when we saw the cars we saw the drivers we saw that world you felt this like this brand new energy there right fish yeah you knew you were up onto something really different and important and there was this other thing that we all, Malcolm and I understood, and Malcolm much deeper than I because he's a Formula One fan, but these guys were all bitter and pissed off that they were thrown out of Formula One because most of them were, and right. they had something to prove. And this shit was serious for them. And there was an attitude that a lot of them had that was wonderful to, for filmmakers in, sure. and a, a competition level that was fierce in a different way in a more lo-fi way less corporate way that made it a much more interesting 
race series to follow. Well, the thing I fell in love with when I saw Formula E the first time, because I, I have a similar perspective that, that you did. I could give a crap about uh, racing. I'm not a NASCAR person. I'm not an auto racing person. I, was, I always used to say that NASCAR was the only sport that had a death toll. That, that, was, that was the only thing that, that I always remembered from it. And Formula E, I was just more interested in Branson, I, as I told you. But what I found at the time, and I wrote this article for Forbes at the time, was that this is the only sport that's going to literally change the world. And mm-hmm. you guys characterize this in the film in which these guys are fighting tooth and nail to win a race that you or I don't have to care about. But the technology that's being invented to win that Fakakta race might save the planet. And I said, what a concept of that. Like, there, there is literally no way to, to bypass that that seems fascinating to me. That's super interesting and so true as well. And Alejandro comprehended that long before anyone he else. Did. He did. So he and got that message to you. Yeah. He, it was interesting, you know, because he's a capitalist, you know, and he's really interested in globalizing the sport and monetizing the sport, of course. You know, which is great. But the eco side of it was really, really interesting to him. Don't you think, Fish? Yeah, he... He got it. You know, he's a capitalist, but he's got a heart. Um, and he realized early on that he could explode this, this mission, doing good and getting rich at the same time, which really Alejandro's dream is to do, do good things and make money and, he, and live his passion. He's a passionate guy. He pushed these companies forward and Imagine, you know, you start a racing series where you can't even get, you know, yeah, you get Nissan and you get Audi at the beginning. Maybe Audi is sort of committed, but they weren't fully committed even the first season. The second season, Audi gets more committed. So you got Nissan and Audi. And by season six, by this season, Alejandro, with what he's done, they have Porsche, Mercedes, BMW, Audi, Jaguar, Nissan all Renault, all in this racing series. No other racing series in the world has so many big brands. And these big companies are promoting their electric vehicles and doing R&D for their electric vehicles to make the world a better place and to transform the way you and I go on the roads. And it's, it's amazing how fast it's happening. We'll get back to Sports with Friends in just a moment. But first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? It's like Sports with Friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies. And when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports, but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movie. Don't worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. I want to know your secret sauce to interviewing because in my history covering Formula E, 
the people we've had on the podcast are Sam Bird and Luca DeGrassi. And those are two of my favorite episodes of this show. Uh, they were both fascinating. We couldn't touch John Eric Byrne. Uh, he never wanted to sit down with us. There was never a good time. Because I would get, I offered to get there earlier. Like I would say, I would say, you know, the race is Saturday. I would offer to get there Wednesday. Like I'm not, I, I wasn't flying by night and I never make demands. I was very, very polite. And he never wanted to talk to me. Uh, he never, you know, we didn't, we were going to do a story on for Forbes for him. I was going to do the podcast with him. He wasn't interested, but not only did he talk to you, but he gave you unmitigated access. And my question to you is, was that part of your arrangement or did you have to win him over? Let me answer that question because I was there to see it, you know, and I can tell you, I, I, if it had been me doing the interviewing, there wouldn't have been a movie. Uh, fish, <laughs> fish was you know, the, you're right, the secret source. He was able to kind of bring him in, you know, bring him in into the movie, really carefully wind him in. And it was a brilliant thing to watch the way he, you know, as a documentarian, how he pulled Jev into the story. Because Jev, like, he, he's mean. And he's, <laughs> he's ruthless. He has no time for the, anything. He's a, he's a, he wants to win, and he doesn't want anyone to get in his way, except Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We had a bromance. I, I don't know. We just hit it you off. You hit it off with him. It, you, yeah. It, it, yeah. I was very jealous. I'm still, we're, and we're really, you know, I could say he's a really good friend of mine now, you know. Did he um, know you from your acting work or anything else? Um, I think he discovered it, but not at the beginning okay. so much. I don't think so. No. He, tr he trusted you. He what? He trusted you. Yeah, he, he instinctively trusted you. Yeah, he did. He did, and it and was not, it was it was great. It was lucky. It was lucky. I'm not spoiling the film, but there's a great moment in the middle where you're at some outside cafe, uh, and he's talking about the death of his friend, mm. and he walks away, and you guys kept that in, and I said that was awesome because that's an editorial choice because at the time. You, you know, you could easily have paused it. You could stop the tape. You could cut it a different way, whatever you wanted. And you kept that in. And it just humanized him in such a level. I, I that that was a that was an editorial choice that you guys made. Yeah, well, we knew we knew we had a movie. I, I told I, I think Malcolm and I knew after that interview that we had a movie. Then we said, OK, we have a movie. We have an emotion. We have a driver getting emotional about we that was that was a key moment for me and Malcolm for us as I directors. I think what was interesting about the way Fish infiltrated the drivers' lives is that we were faced with this terrible kind of extended commercial for Formula E with all these corporations, you know, dying to brand their companies, and all these drivers were their slick corporate speak, you know, and it was all it was just we were faced with like this this wall of like just crass globalized and stuff you know and we had to find the humanity and i think fish digging into jeb digging into pk and sam and finding where the pain was Elsie made PK. this into the movie it was yeah sam sam was a difficult nut to crack because he's very accessible but he's not very emotionally accessible he's kind of like very corpse i corp had heard that yeah and um by the end i mean he's another person i'm in touch with um 
he really opened up to us on a deep level. And, uh, I mean, you know, he comes off great in the movie. <laughs> you know, Lucas and Nelson, I mean, Nelson's, I guess he's all right, but Lucas doesn't like, I love Lucas as a person, but he, he I don't think he was too thrilled with the movie. Really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, well, first of all, for, for Sam Bird, uh, I had heard that all the time. And when he was the first guy that I wanted to talk to, it wasn't because he had won. He had he had done something. This was a couple of years ago. I don't I don't remember exactly. But I had requested Sam Bird, and we sat in the room, and he didn't leave. I mean, we we had a great conversation. He was really really impressive, and I had said to the guys at Formula E, Sam and Paul, and those guys, you you know all those guys, and I said to them, I said I said what was the what's all the hubbub about? He's he's great. And then I watched your film, and I said this is the Sam Bird I know. I have never seen him up front be the kind of closeted standoffish kind of guy like he he really opened up and i he was very interesting to hear about the environmental part and that's kind of where i wanted to go with this in that you guys made a very uh i think very again editorial choice to not interview all the scientists all the tech people because then you'd put people to sleep and they're so vital they're so vital to formula e and that's the only way any of these drivers get to go. But, oh, my God, that it's like watching paint dry. <laughs> yeah, no shit, man. We, <laughs> we tried, bro. We tried. We interviewed a bunch of them. But, you know, it's a movie about the drivers and about making people think electric cars are cool and understanding the importance that, that they bring and really being entertained. And hopefully if you're entertained, you're going to want to buy an electric car and think you're, you know, you're Jean-Eric Verne and, you know, Sam Burt, you know, um, we discovered a lot making it, you know, every film you learn so much, but we, we both really learned quite a bit, I think, making this one and, and had a great time doing it. And we had this amazing editor, Gabriel Rhodes, who just was, we were just, we lucked out, you know, you just make the right hire and he was the right, right hire. The uh, the sound is something I'm sure that you guys were very conscious of because, and and Fisher, you're you're gonna laugh at me because you're gonna think I'm a complete nerd later, but the Formula E cars do sound like Knight Rider. Yeah, like they they sound just like Knight Rider, and when they're running and when you're on the track and those cars are whizzing by, like if you ever watch qualifying and it's only one or two cars. Like literally, you could play the theme in your head, and it works just the same. Um, did you see my my film with Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds? That's yours. Yes, I did see that film. Yeah, well, we actually that car is in the movie. <laughs> Carrie Fisher's brother. Yes, bought, he I remember that. Yes, yes. So that's that's the reason that was really and wild. I, I didn't know that was you. I've seen that film, but I did not know that was you. That's yeah, really yeah. wild. My better half, Alexis Bloom, and I directed that. And, and really, that was the inspiration for doing Formula E. After we got to meet, see the Knight Rider car, I said, I got to make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we, we had uh, Ren Kleiss, the uh, Oscar-nominated sound designer. Um, he put microphones in the cars for us. He did me a favor and, and he worked on the film for, you know, he, he recorded a race for us. And then um, we had uh, Skip Levesay, who was Oscar winning mixer, did Gravity and 
all the Coen Brothers movies. He mixed the film with Red and stuff, and oh, we, wow. uh, yeah, we we went we went all out, and you know, because we have great friends in high places, people did us a bit of a favor working on this picture, and just like Malcolm introduced me to some incredibly A-list cameramen who shot some of the film for us because they work with Malcolm on uh, commercials and stuff. And it, Got you know, it. We, we just were surrounded by the most incredible talent, I have to say, uh, making the documentary. It was a wonderful experience. A model, used to be a role model. We have a special announcement here to make on the show and it involves Spotify. How many of you have Spotify? You know, my daughter made us get Spotify because she wanted to listen to music. And then I found out something that really made me cool in my house. We are so excited to announce that Sports with Friends and my other podcast, Hall of Justice, is now available to stream free on Spotify. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's free to download. Use Spotify on any device. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to your favorite music, Prince, and switch right over to our podcast in the very same app. And when my phone is plugged into my car, my daughter can control the music with her app because we have the same account. Just search for our show, Sports with Friends, on Spotify and start listening free. And remember, it's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. And you don't go out of the out of your way to talk about all the celebrities that are there. Like there's celebrities at every one of these races, no matter where it is. And you have Leonardo DiCaprio. I think it's Orlando Bloom. But you don't go overboard so that you're not you're selling the product. You're not putting window dressing over the product. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was another real conscious effort of ours. We we didn't want we didn't want to get lost in that. It's not what it's about. You know, so we we made a conscious effort not to, you know, every week, every race. You're right. There's a huge star at every race. And the, Patrick Dempsey. I remember that. Like, do you want to do you want to film them? Do you want to film with them? And Malcolm and yeah. I are like, no, that's not our story. Yeah. This is a little, it, that's a little inside. But is that Paul Garbett? Paul Garbett would run up to you and go, do you want to film with these guys? Do you want to film with them? Uh, no, it was Kate. Kate. Freer. Oh, OK. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, our but, associate producer. But speaking of the the uh, the editorial choices, so you know the the thing that attracts you to the project is the environment and this this aspect of you know their electric cars. When did you guys decide that the drivers' personal stories were going to take at least as much screen time, if not more screen time, as the original plan? And it's it, it goes like. You go off on tangents, and that's not a criticism. It's more of a you go off on tangents because you have stories to tell, but you spend a, a lot of time telling me more about Sam Bird and 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 John Eric Byrne and these guys, Nelson PK. You're finding out those stories. Was your original plan to be much more on the environment and less about those guys? And did this, those guys win you over? If you could explain that process. Um, well, I think. You know, I I think originally when Malx and I decided to make the movie, we we thought it would be more of a 50-50 thing. But I, I, I as soon as we did our first shoot in Hong Kong, right, Malx? I mean, we, we realized, yeah. no, as soon as we did our first shoot, 
we were there because remember we had never imagine you're a filmmaker you you take a job filming a sport and we had never even been to ever to a race so our first time at a race we were filming so it was like what so when we filmed Jeb and Andre uh walking back from their hotel from on the ferry to their hotel and we 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 filmed them and they're talking about the crash and calling chicks and they're like trying to lose us after that day yeah, shooting yeah, yeah. in Hong Kong everything changed we realized okay fuck our plan we're going to this is a character piece and we know we have two of our stars um cuz this was our second day shooting we we filmed them and then we knew that was it and uh right Max would you say yeah so, yeah, there's you know, look, it's it's all down to the um, components of drama, isn't it? You know, you need you need the conflicts and the you need the humanity to make this the arc of the film work. You know, you have to be careful with tech, as you said. We don't want people going to sleep on us. And I'll be perfectly honest, I did not know enough about Andre Lauderer, uh, and he comes off a little bit like a punk um, when he when when John Eric Vern says to him, "You should read the rules." And he goes, I chose a sport and I don't have to read. Like, he was just trying to be, I don't know if he was trying to show off because you guys were there. I couldn't tell. I don't know him in that light. And I never really uh, I spoke to him on any, you know, more than an ancillary level. Uh, what was your impression of Lotterer? And do you guys think you portrayed him the way I'm seeing him? Well, I, I think he's pretty honest. I mean, I love when he, he talks about Jeff at the end of the movie, he's really honest about how much he loves him, but how tough it can be to be, you know, he, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he, I think, you know, he's a guy, like he says, he's 37. He's at the end of his career. He's won Le Mans three times. So it was a, it was a job, but by right. the end, he really got into it. I mean, after that lecture that Jeb gave him in on film, basically in, in Morocco, Andre really came up, man, you know. Um, so I don't know. I I we loved him from the from the jump, yeah. and yeah, he should have he should have read the rules for sure. Yeah, it was interesting yeah. you bring that scene up actually, because I'm just thinking about that again, you know, it's an insight into how serious Jeb is. You know, he's just if nothing else matters to him, as he said in the film, I want it more than I want to breathe, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, so He's just so, he's really focused, Jeff. And you see how Andre is definitely, you know, he's like, he's less. wanting to, he yeah. to have fun. He wanted to have fun. Right. He's, le he's less so. All right. Uh, two things to, uh, to, to wrap this up. And I'd love to get an answer from both of you. Uh, number one, uh, Formula E is a startup. And I know it has deep pockets because of the people involved with it, but it's a startup. And startups have been very hit hard by COVID 19. Yeah. Um, the virtual races, there was a, a guy who cheated, uh, <laughs> which was bizarre. And, I, you know, they're, they're, I, I've been airing some of them on a Twitch channel, but it's not, it's not the same. Uh, do you fear that this could have lasting effects that could impact Formula E on, in, in a negative sense? Or do you think that they're going to be able to sustain this? Uh, yeah, if, if, if you guys, either one of you wants to comment on that. Well... I um, it's an interesting question. I think you know, I, difficult one to answer. But I would mm -hmm. say that coronavirus is when we get over this. I think manufacturing of cars is going to change. I think I don't know if people can afford to 
to to engineer a gas powered engine gearbox anymore. I think it's just all you want now is lithium, a battery, and uh, a rotor and some software. You know, well, my my. I, I fought with a guy at Nissan. Uh, the, 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 they're amazing people there. But I fought with a guy at Nissan because in America, and Fisher, you know this, electric cars are more expensive. And if the goal is to help the environment, then don't make, uh, you know, the, the Nissan, what was that thing? What, what's that car called? Leaf. Leaf. The Leaf. The Leaf. The Leaf is like $400 a month compared to a Hyundai Elantra, which is like two nineteen. I, I, that didn't make sense with me because in Europe, those cars are so much more readily available and the charging stations are much more solid. You can, it, it is easy to see that electric cars have a brighter future in Europe than they do in America. And I wonder if that changes. Well, Seth, let me, let me just say one thing. The reason that is, is because uh, the oil cartel in America runs this country and has run this country. Maybe now, with COVID and with what's going on with racism, things will change. But you, you, these politicians, these 53, I wouldn't say all of them, but most of these Republicans uh, who run the Senate have placed fossil fuel lobbyists in office as head of the Interior Department, as head of the EPA, as head of the Transportation Department, Elaine Chao, you know. Mitch McConnell is basically a prostitute for the fossil fuel industry, has been his whole career, by the way. But now that they have the Senate, they've been doing everything they can to destroy right. electric vehicles, to stop it. And finally, hopefully, these pieces of shit will get out of office. And I call them that because they've been really, really basically under the thumb of the fossil fuel industry. And again, there's cool guys, they're, they're not all the Republicans, because Mitt Romney and, and, uh, there are thank, a couple. Thank you for saying that because you're I, absolutely right. Not all Republicans are. are jerk offs. They absolutely, no, absolutely not all of them are. But I can tell you this: the ones that are under the thumb of the fossil fuel industry are really preventing and keeping electric cars expensive, keeping electric power stations out, and doing everything they can to keep the fuel mileage, uh, keep to keep the uh, the to take the fuel out of the ground because they're funding their campaigns. So that's a big reason that you have that in this country. And that's why they're so expensive in this country. And they're still subsidizing the fossil fuel industry in this country at an incredible rate. And they're not subsidizing uh, solar and wind like they should be. So I don't want to get on a high horse and I'm sorry to get angry and swear, but it does upset me beyond belief when you bring that up because that's the reason. That's why we're behind. Um, and that's why they're so far ahead in Europe and they're progressive in Europe when it comes to energy and, and alternative, alternative energy. So let's hope this thing changes. And like Malcolm says, COVID, I think is gonna be a good thing for electric vehicles. Um, we can't speak to whether it's a good thing for Formula E yet because it's too early to tell um, what's gonna happen. but. Alejandro has a way of uh, making things work. So we have a lot of faith in him. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious uh, to see where it goes and, 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 and hoping for them because, uh, like I said, they're nice people and I, and I root for good people uh, in, in any it's sport. Really, or any, yeah. It's a really entertaining motorsport. It's much more fun to watch. A lot of fun, yeah. Than anything else in motorsport, I think. It's very competitive. 
Uh, last question then, and again, it's for both of you guys, and this is the one that uh, I did all my Forbes stories about, and this is the one that uh, I've asked Luca DeGrassi and Sam Bird and Agog and John Todd and all these dudes, and Richard Branson for that matter. At what point is it fair to call Formula E out in that you are creating all this technology, and when are the car companies responsible to demonstrate where they're taking stuff they learned from Formula E and putting it into cars. Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? When do we know that these teams that are trying to win races are actually saving the world and we're seeing it in cars that you and I can drive? Either one of you. Good question. Well, I think Porsche, yeah. Porsche, Porsche got a couple of electric cars. They're feeding that tech in. I mean, they're, they're you know they're not they're not wasting their time. These are super demanding you know companies. So I think they're channeling their data from Formula E right into the cars that they're putting onto the road now. To be honest, you know all all, all of the European manufacturers and Japanese manufacturers are. Um, so I think I think I think the arms race is 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 on, and there there's a battle to get the cheapest, longest range car out there. Just alluding back to your question about the Leaf being expensive. They're desperate to get the cost down. And I think Formula E is part of that process. Don't you think, Fish? Yeah, I really do. I think the more, the, the thing about Formula E is it promoting it, it's like, it's great advertising. It's like from what Formula One did or what Le Mans did for the Mustangs and all that. You know, I, I think the more people that start buying it, the, obviously we know the more we manufacture, the less expensive. So, um, you and know. You wonder- yeah, you wonder why Tesla don't get involved. You know, I mean, they they, they make their tech public. You can access all their research and development, uh, which is amazing. But you know, you can you can be sure BMW are secret, very secretive. Well, they don't want to lose. Also, Tesla doesn't want to lose to a Audi or a Jaguar or a BMW in a race. You know, they don't right. they don't want to lose, and then people go, oh, I'm going to get that BMW or that Jaguar. You know, Tesla's got its own brand, and I think. I think they were smart to keep out of it. They didn't. They don't need it. Jaguar and Audi and Mercedes and Porsche need a need a launch pad for their electric vehicles to tell the world we are here. We've arrived. We're making these cars. Look, we we, we finished second in the championship. We finished first in the championship. They they want the world to know. And uh, I think Formula E is a great way for them to do it. Well, I I hope so. And and like I said, I. It's not that I'm anxious to hold them on the carpet. I just want to know how to hold these guys accountable because that's the whole selling point. From my perspective, what I, what I say is, at least in America, this is a sport that can save the world. And that was the headline of the Forbes piece that I wrote. And if you're going to do that, well, then how? And just to say that we're getting there is one thing, but to actually be doing it. And I, I asked that in, back in season four when, when you guys were filming your film and I wonder that in season five. And like I said, now we're on this detour because of COVID. But, you know, where is this going now? And where is this going in the future? Because I don't care if Formula E ever surpasses other forms of racing and becomes more popular. I'd like it. As a sports fan, I'd like it. But what I'd love to know is that, you know, Audi has this new electric car that you can get on the road and it can get, you know, 250 miles per charge and it can charge in 25 minutes because that's. That's awesome. And, you know, you guys do a great job in your film saying that when you hit the brake, you're actually feeding energy back into the battery. Wouldn't everybody want to know that? Like, 
when I say not everybody, not all the sports fans, not all the people listening to this podcast, every car buyer in the future should know that if you break, you could feed your battery. I, I think I think people would line up. I mean, they would have to stand six feet apart, but they'd line up and they would get to <laughs> and they would get to 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 get to these electric cars. Every time I have a lease up, I look for electric cars and I just want the price to go down. And like I said, I will support them as much as I can, but they've got to help meet me halfway. And you're right about uh, the, the politics behind it. It's really a shame. And it's something that clearly makes me want to go to Europe. Not well, anything, think, not anything else that, that our president does. Not nothing, nothing else. The question is, is what, what is big oil going to do about it? Of course. Yeah. They're going to do everything they can to, to hang on. They're hanging on by their, their, their you know, fingernails. Right. That's right. Well, the film is And We Go Green. Uh, you can find it on Hulu. Uh, and Hulu is my drug of choice for, for television these days because I'm a cord cutter. And uh, we, we know all the time that, you know, on this podcast, we talk about technology and stuff. And if you are in this quarantine, I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, this is a film that uh, really personalizes a sport that not many of you listening to this podcast know a lot about. If Luca Degrassi didn't convince you and Sam Bird didn't convince you, well, Fisher and Malcolm will definitely convince you. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Sam. Cheers, mate. See you. Good luck luck in lockdown. Yeah, good Good luck. luck. Yeah, yeah, of course. Be safe. Be safe. All right. The film is entitled And We Go Green, and it is exclusively on Hulu right now. If you subscribe to Hulu, you can see this film. It's streaming. And since we're all at home and you're looking for new content, especially since real sports come back, yes, I know golf and NASCAR are back, but baseball's not back. Basketball's not back. Not yet. Check out Hulu and check out And We Go Green. And then in August, check out the rest of the Formula E races. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, We'll be back next week with another edition of Sports with Brent. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go. To stay here, I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Count on grace, I'm gone. Forget reaching me by phone, because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person. Thank you.